So welcome to the first issue of the Tri-Radar podcast. Uh, this podcast really is about uh, triathletes talking to triathletes. Uh, so I'm Stuart, I'm an age group triathlete and a coach, um, albeit a level one coach. Uh, I'm still taking some qualifications. Uh, I got into the sport um, by accident really a few years ago and I have never looked back and it is now my big addiction. Uh, so I'm going to share that in this podcast uh, and the future episodes of this podcast. So today we're talking to Thomas McManus, who actually is a really good age group triathlete. Uh, he won the Bastion, which is the Castle Series Iron Distance Race uh, last year. We were at the finish line, uh, so me and the team actually do some work with the Castle Series. And the conditions there were pretty biblical in terms of the rain, came down really hard on the bike. Uh, which really meant the uh, cross-country run was uh, a bit muddy. So it was a really tough race. And he did it in just over 10 and a half hours, which is an incredible time. Uh, so we've had a really good chat with Thomas, uh, who is a self-coached athlete. And I think you'll learn loads from him. So without further ado, here is the interview. Uh, welcome, Thomas. Hi, Stuart. How are you? Yeah, great, great to have you on the show today. So with me today is Thomas McManus. And last year, Thomas won the Bastion in the incredible time of 10, 10 hours, 37 minutes, uh, 39 seconds, I think. Was that sound Sounds about, about right, right to you? It might have been a couple minutes slower. It was, a, it was a very wet day, very slow day for the, for the run especially. God, yeah, that, uh, we were at the finish line for that, working with the, uh, the guys at the castle. We remember seeing you come over the line. Um, uh, I imagine more so than any other day, you must have been uh, quite relieved that that one was over. Yeah, I think it's it's probably a highlight race for me. Um, do you know, it's it's a bit easier when you're at the front though, because you don't you don't feel like you have to squeeze every last drop out during the run, and you can enjoy it a little bit. It felt really good. I, I wouldn't know, <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. Um, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, but before we dive into the sort of bastion, uh, it'd be great to find out a little bit more about how you actually got started in triathlon and you know what, what your story is. Yeah, sure. Um, so to me, it's it's always felt like a little bit of a hobby that I can only take so seriously um, before it starts to feel a bit like it's burning me out. Um, so I actually started off as a rower when I was a teenager. Uh, that was my first structured training I did. Um, and I started taking that quite competitively. Um, and I dug myself into a bit of a hole. Uh, maybe that was something to do with exams, stress at the time as well. Um, but then when I switched to uni, um, then I, I discovered I'd actually given myself adrenal fatigue from uh, overtraining mostly, but also uh, not eating enough. Um, and so I had anemia as well. And so basically I tanked my health. Um, and so I... Wow. So did you did you pick that up early on or was it like, you know, way down the line that you you, you suddenly just sort of felt terrible yeah, and there's, you know, there's always a pattern but sometimes it's hard to see it when you're in the middle of it so um i, I was noticing my fitness was getting really good and, uh, and is improving all the time and then suddenly it just sort of plateaued and then started dropping and everything felt harder than usual um and i think you know once you're once you're an adult then you kind of have some maturity and you can see that for yourself a bit faster um but yeah i just noticed some some patterns with sort of um when I was training the most and when I was eating the least and, and so on. And, and I sort of figured it out and read between the lines. And I went off on um, a tangent, sort of reading up on everything I could find online uh, that could sort of explain everything for me. And so now I've become a bit of a geek about uh, health and nutrition and uh, the best ways to train for the, for the health um, impacts that it has and 
Yeah. So what? What? what so you know, you 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 dove a trade with the rowing and things. So what made you then decide? You know, I'm right. Gonna go, go yeah. So to on. me, to me, um, rowing feels like a higher intensity sport. Um, at, at this point, I could say that it's comparable. But when you're a rower and you haven't you haven't got this huge base of uh, of cycling and running and everything, then actually on swim, bike and run, it it's quite hard to push yourself to the intensity that you do in a boat. Um, and I felt that I could I could just cross train and just by myself without any pressure, go to the track when I wanted, hop in the pool. And it felt like a, a year of recovery when I first started university, when I, I was just not training with anybody else, just doing what I felt like while I was getting my health back on track. Um, and then I started to realize I was missing the competition. And so I just thought I'd just have a go at a couple of triathlon distances and start to realize, well, actually, uh, you know, I'd probably like the Ironman distance. So I, I had a go at that. Um, and I found that that was kind of my favorite. And uh, I found the longer I went uh, in race distance, sort of maybe the closer up to the front I was getting as well. Oh, okay. So when, at what point did you sort of realize, actually, um, I'm, I'm pretty good at this? I still haven't realized it really. I mean, uh, you invited me for an interview and that made me think a little bit like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I suppose the bastion wasn't a fluke. Um, so, uh, well, I did the typical age grouper step-by-step uh, um, -step goals that you do of trying to qualify for the the uh, ITU age group, um, maybe standard distance first. I, I had a go at that. Um, I didn't go race it, but uh, but getting the qualifying times for the Olympic distance and and getting the position um nationally that's quite that's quite nice to do um well it's pretty it's pretty tough isn't it i mean you know that's as a, of all of the um qualification races i mean a, the sprint and standard are pretty tough so which which um, event did you go and qualify there's one at? called arundel um there's a little town to the south it's got a nice castle that you I think you run a lap of it at the end uh it's a really good nice race and i had a friend from university also doing the same um yeah uh actually then with my first half, that was a Castle Series one as well. So Bastion is Castle Series down in Kent. And in Kent as well, I've, I've been there three times now to race. So I did the Gauntlet as my first half Ironman. And that was, it's a great day out when it's your first time completing a distance because you you have very little pressure on yourself in a way. And you, it's just it just feels amazing to get around. That was really scenic. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that was my first half. Do you manage to do that? Do you manage to like? I mean, even when I do a first race, even if I know that the course profile is, um, it's going to be a bit lumpy, and I'm not going to PB. Do you do you set yourself a, a you know kind of like a, a time you'll tell people, and then like you know deep down inside there's a time that you want to hit. Oof. Oh, I can't I can't do that for the Castle Series races. The the thing with them is that they're not the ones you go to for looking for a PB time. You go there if you want to have a nice scenic day out. And you want an off-road run, especially. Um, I mean, that's what I really like about the Heaver one is you just sort of muscle it around and up. You can go hard up the hills if you're feeling good, or just survive them if you're not. Um, it's more like with, uh, say, Outlaw uh, up in Nottingham. That's incredibly flat. Um, that was my first Ironman there, and I'd never, I'd never done a, a run longer than a half marathon at the time. But I was still, I was looking at estimating my finish time like you said and yeah i figured i could go 10 30 would be like good good sort of i reckon i can definitely do that I got the fitness and if it's if it's a bad day then it'll be slow of course and um and i ended up getting 10 hours and, and three minutes um and so in the end i think don't think estimating anything is gonna is gonna help because if you're gonna be slower than that there's nothing you can do about it on the day you just you just have to have to eat it up um 
And so I think actually it's more fun to race without a time, without a watch even, if you can. Um, of course, they're helpful pacing yourself in case you go too hard at the start, though. And how, how, how did you get on in that first Ironman? What, um, wh- where, where did you sort of come in the field? Oh, overall 40-something, but um, I won my age group at that one. Still pretty good for, uh, yeah, I was going to say still pretty good for a uh, for first time. Oh, I was very pleased, yeah. I mean, that was the one that, that made me think, actually, that I want to properly commit to being competitive at triathlon now and not just, not just do some races for fun. Um, yeah. So, so you, you, you did, um, the sort of moved up to the middle distance and things. Did you have a crack at getting age group qualification for, for middle distance? So what I, what I did was I went to long distance worlds in Denmark, which is sort of halfway between half and full. Um, and that, if, if there were more races like that, that would be brilliant. That's a really nice one because taking six or seven hours, it's sort of, you go maybe a little bit faster than an Ironman and then the run ends before it gets really painful. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's just my kind of thing. I've I found that 70.3s don't really work very well with me. I tend to blow up dramatically. Um, and I think that's something to do with the fact that I'm a bit paranoid about running long volumes in training because uh, of getting injured. Um, so I'm slowly building, building through that. Um, yeah, I found that for, for the longer distances, if it's, if it's a race that's going to take a bit less time, um, like that one in Denmark, then you can, you can really focus on doing a lot of race pace training. You don't have to do huge volumes. You just need to be confident really on the day and make sure you've got the legs that they'll stay strong and they're not going to buckle under you. So with, with your sort of training and prep for, for races, are you self-coached? Yeah, always have been. I, I don't think I'd be coachable really. <laughs> and how do you how do you approach your periodization and your season um i remember when you sort of emailed me uh, before the show that um, you kind of take it race by race is that how you approach the whole year yeah the way i see it triathlon has to has to be a hobby that you enjoy um you can maybe push yourself through training and plan everything for maybe half a year and then you'd probably quit the sport um and so for me it's entirely i'm, I'm motivated by the next race that's coming up um, that's how it's always been traditionally for me. But then um, at university, I did stop training completely at a time because I was I was really needing to focus on the degree and get my grades to where I wanted them. Uh, and so I stopped and I completely detrained. Um, and then I realized that actually race by race doesn't work very well if you've lost all of that fitness by taking over a year off. Um, and so now as COVID started and I graduated, then uh, I was realizing that, yeah, I really do need to do sport to just be happy and healthy and uh and i need the competition as well um or i just get quite bored with life really um so uh so i decided that i was going to be consistent from now on and i wasn't going to take more than about a month off training in one go um and then just by just by ticking off sessions every week even if it's just you know an hour a day on average um if you put some quality into those sessions i, I found there's no plateau that happens is if every training week is you know, better than your previous average, you just keep improving and you don't, you don't really have to worry about much else if you keep the quality in. Uh, of course, leading up to a longer distance race, then you, you've got to prepare for the distance. You've got to do some, some runs that are, when you're really tired, maybe not necessarily long runs, but you really got to, got to practice race pace. So I, 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 I had a go at trying to self-coach myself and um, I, I was terrible because I was constantly second-guessing myself. Mm. I've done the I've done some BTF uh, qualifications in coaching, but it, it, even then it was just 
I, I was just constantly questioning myself and I actually started to compare myself more to, to other people on Strava and things. How do you, how do you approach that? I mean, do you, you know, you just got confidence in, in having been there and done it from the start. There's a journey. Do you, do you worry about other yeah, people? Yeah, there's a journey you go on. If you're, if you're the type of person that wants to be self-coached and you don't dabble in, in being coached, then it's probably because you're the person that wants to know why and wants to understand the training and what happens. Um, and then it's very difficult to read all the sports science that focuses on lactate threshold and, uh, and believe that you have to do a certain way. You have to do 20 hours of low intensity. It all just seems a bit, doesn't really sit quite well with you if you don't haven't experienced it yourself. Um, and, and I still disagree with some parts of it because I think there are variations in people and some people are sort of a bit more suited to aerobic distance stuff and can focus on intervals a bit more, for example. Um, but I think you really have to learn it for yourself if you're if you're that kind of person, um, and I had to. So I've experimented with all sorts of quite weird training method methodologies, um, and I've found that in the end, you can get very quick gains with specificity, and then after a half a year or so, then you sort of stop improving. You need to do something different. So the key is sort of variety in the long term, and you don't necessarily have to do a perfect training week that has a mixture of everything um, but eventually you need a bit of everything and there's no there's no secret source but it's also not all about long low intensity time intensive training and are you quite disciplined you know do you, do you sort of have a, a you set times for when you're going to go and do things and you carve that out in your week or are you quite flexible i think as you might expect that if you have the freedom if it's a summer holiday and um, or, or you're off from work or something, then you can go train whenever you want. And of course, the quality of the sessions can be better. You're going to be able to work harder. You just feel better. It's more fun. Um, and when you're in full-time work like I am now, then there are some sessions that I need to do on a specific day and time, basically swimming, because you have to book it, you have to meet the squad or whatever. Um, with the other sessions, then you know when you have time to train, you know it's going to be morning or evening or the weekend. And then you just try and find a routine or what I like to think of as a framework where you limit yourself to only doing certain disciplines at certain times so you don't get injured and you don't overdo it really. And, you, and so, so with, with the swimming, so you, you going with a, a local masters group or you just going down the pool on your yeah, own? Yeah, it's not really been a priority for me for a long time, but now I've joined Bristol Penguins. So I'm based in Bristol. That's where I think the Bastion course record holder might be based as well. Might meet him up sometime, but... Um, I see. I guess get some tips when you go back and give yeah, them the shot. Yeah, master squads. I definitely recommend, um, even if it's just for the social as well. Um, so it's really difficult to get any fast swimming done in a public pool. Um, they're quite busy often. So yeah, we. I was actually talking to uh, somebody earlier today about um, uh, this week. I had uh, twice now. I've had the uh, breaststroker get in the middle of the lane during the middle of my session. But, uh, Love, gotta love this time of year when everyone's trying to get fit and um, you know get healthy again yeah that's not the bad bit though it's just the etiquette if only everyone everyone i wouldn't mind at all if everyone uh swims their own paces and we'd all get along but um yeah respect is important i think you gotta fight for your place yeah massively so you part, are you part of a tri club uh at the moment bristol and districts is my local tri club i do a little bit of stuff with them um they have some great swim sessions as well. And, and often with your local tri club, I think you can find some good value swim sessions. Um, it's probably rare that you'd have to pay more than five pounds a time. Um, so if you get that membership, you, you can pay for a year of, of triathlon club membership for probably 30 pounds or something like that. 
uh, wherever you are. And then you can join in with their squad sessions and get training as well. So uh, we're coached by Maria Powell, who's also an age group triathlete with loads of experience. She's been at uh, Heaver Castle Racing as well a couple of times, I think. And she's done really well for herself. And so um, if you're a bad try, Bristol, Bristol and Districts, BAD. So um, then uh, Maria can, can give you some swim tips if you need them. And just uh, you know, sort of talking about the, the bike for a second. Are you, I mean, are you on a smart turbo trainer? You you Swift? You train a road? Or you, you know, what what are you using? Yeah, so uh, I have a turbo behind me. Um, I don't know if I can. Yeah, that's the front of it. Anyway, um, uh, I think a turbo really saves you time on the bike, and mostly safety is is the main benefit of it. Um, so if you just stick an old bike on it that that you don't mind about too much. Uh, it'll get caked in sweat and it'll get rusty. Um, so that's that's important to not put your race bike on it if you can help it. Um, but yeah, turbo training, I think, is, is really helpful. Of course, being outside is much more fun in the summer. And do, do, you, do you have like, uh, do you do the sessions on, on like Zwift or Trainer Road or you just um, you do, do them off your head? Unit? I really wish I didn't use Zwift in a way. I do just because it just feels that little bit more slick and positive and you've got all the colors for your different intensities and there's not much in it because I don't, I don't personally um, get a whole lot out of uh, out of Zwift you could say but um, but I think it's just so neat it's well designed um, and you can do these group rides with your local tri club so if you if you organize training sessions together that can be quite nice to see everyone's power numbers and push each other a bit. Yeah I'll, 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 my local tri club Ocean Lake um, do uh, Group turbo sessions on Zwift, you know, where everyone's doing the same turbo set in a group workout. Uh, but I, you know, I tend to actually just do use it for just as a way of displaying my Training Peaks custom workouts. I don't do the Zwift plans. Uh, I don't just free ride. But you know, I think visually, it's you know, especially for longer sets, it's it's helps keep my interest. Um, I, I'd yeah, say. absolutely. Do you know I struggle with something about having Zwift or whether it's the power meter or Zwift. I'm not sure, but it means that I. I have expectations on myself to do interval sessions at a certain power and pretty much every time I just quit the session partway through um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because I still work hard but then it means I do a lot less work than I might if I was outside and I didn't have access to the data so I think there's a lot to be said for yeah. unplugging sometimes. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, there's massive disparities for, for a lot of people when they train indoors and they suddenly hit the, you know, the, the weather gets better and get out on the TT bike and they, they realise that they're a little bit sort of down on power and things. So do you, do, how, do you, how do you manage the sort of transition from winter training into, uh, you know, sort of getting up to race pace? Mm. Um, I, I find I really like the build period for an Ironman and I can kind of wing it. Um, and I think the important thing is to take full recovery after your sort of race specific sessions like your long runs because they'll really take it out of you in winter you can get by with really short training sessions half hour 45 minutes is all you need to get some stimulus if you if you put some quality into it but then in the summer when you're when you're doing these long hard sessions then you really need to spread out the training load a bit you might go might go do a lot of training at the weekend and then monday and tuesday might both be recovery days and that kind of thing so just sort of sticking on the recovery point, um, I mean, you mentioned, obviously, when you uh, were rowing and things, you you know, you really geeked out on the nutrition side of things. And I think for many people, that's actually probably the hardest discipline of, of any endurance sport is, you know, getting diet right. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I'm still trying to out-train a bad diet. Um, I'm guilty of that. So, so what have you learned about nutrition and, and how have you applied it? I'm going to try not to say anything too controversial, but I think suffice to say, at least some people are very different from what is uh, touted as the sort of classical um, athlete. Um, and most athletes do well with eating lots of carbohydrates to enable lots and lots of training. Um, and that works great. But then when you do an Ironman, you've really got to worry about getting enough carbohydrates in during the race and that's very risky if you're not an experienced athlete so if it's your first Ironman for example I really don't like the idea of someone trying to shovel in as much gels as they can because they have to because that's what they're used to um, and so at the very least I think it's important to occasionally do um, a race pace session without carbohydrate um, and I would I would just generally um, emphasize having enough fat in your diet to get the calories in for the training often when people are, think they're under fueling and they're tired and they need a rest day because they haven't had enough carbohydrate it might just be they're not having enough calories and I think that's the more important thing for the health and what say uh, and you talk about sort of nutrition on the bike I mean what 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 sort of um uh, what, what sort of things are you going for on the bike are you using gels or are you, are you kind of like you're having uh, homemade things in your uh, in, in your special bag i tried in outlaw i tried to have some solid food and i just can't because i'm breathing too heavily i can't chew um so i think it depends in, in a long race in a really long race then then maybe you can have some solid food and you can avoid hunger all day but i think um you have to accept that you're going to be quite hungry on the run and i think the best thing you can do is use gels and then the on-course bottles so whether it's the castle series races or any other races then there'll always be some fuel on course and not just water bottles and if you can use those then it means you don't have to carry as many gels and you don't have to spend as much time on one hand on the handlebars trying to open the gels so um i think if you can train yourself to play it by ear then all all gels all nutrition tends to be about the same it's got maltodextrin and fructose which just means basically it's sugar um sugar and, and short change starch so um, if you do that and then make sure you have enough salt then you're sorted really I think that's one of the other big ones isn't it you know the uh, lack of salt um, for, for endurance races for people yeah do, do you carry salt tablets on the bike oh, that one I haven't figured out yet so at the moment I'm using gels that have a little bit of salt in and then I tend to have like a little sachet or something with salt tabs in case I really need to use them um, I, I did Ironman Wales in 2018 and um, the hotel, not hotel, the, the Airbnb I was staying at, they had these little breakfast one gram sachets of salt. And I remember thinking, well, you know, I don't really know how I'm going to get enough salt in this race because effervescent salt tabs are all fizzy and how do you get them out of the tube? So I just grabbed a handful of these and I put them in my jersey pocket and it ended up being a really hot day. And then I lost my <laughs> electrolyte bottle. Um, on on the first speed bump on Ironman Wales and anyone who's done it knows it's really lumpy so I didn't have any of my electrolytes I had seven tabs in that was for the whole bike uh, and so I was expecting cramps all day and I managed to get to the run without too much cramping um, and as the run started I just started shoveling these sachets of salt into my mouth and the, the paper would dissolve so I could just put it in my mouth <laughs> and, and, and just swallow it <laughs> or spit the paper out um, and, and I just about got round. Um, yeah, it's really important to have enough salt. Um, and however you manage to take it, you can't really have too much when you're sweating. Um, people worry about salt intake being unhealthy, but that's not a problem if you're an athlete. It really isn't. 
And just so yeah, going on to the um, you know the the longer distance races and things. So yeah, you 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 came and um, won the Bastion. How were you fe- how how are you feeling in the lead up to that race? I mean, we, we you know you and I know what the weather conditions were like, but you must have been you know like a hawk watching uh, the Met Office, uh, you know, seeing what was happening leading up to that one. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I entered that one quite last minute because a, a friend was doing it. He unfortunately got injured and couldn't make it. Um, but uh, I was actually camping there for the night before. And so I know from experience, you can't really worry too much because you might have a bad night's sleep. It might rain and you might be sleeping in the wet or something. And so um, I was just, you know, I was hoping for the best, but thinking as well that whatever happens with the weather, it's going to be the same for everyone. Um, and, and I was hoping to do quite well position-wise in the race and I wasn't going to worry about the time. I had my eye on the on the Bastion since I did the gauntlet back in 2016. Um, so it, it felt great to be back and, uh, and, to, and to just have a go at it. Um, when I got onto the bike, then that's when the downpour happened. It was just at the start of the bike and after that, it was really nice all day. So it just meant that at the start of the bike on the first lap, I was going really slowly down all the descents. I just didn't want to didn't want to get totaled. Um, but it meant up the hills, you can still work as hard as you like. So I really think that the weather doesn't affect the bike course as much as you might think, because there are no sharp turns on the Bastion course or the Gauntlet, actually. Um, you can still work really hard up the hills, and that's where you make up most of the time. It's, it's three loops, isn't it, the Bastion? Is it is. Right? I think that's just right as well. Uh, loops, are, loops are a bit mind-numbing if you do too many, but I think you need a couple. you got that as well. I mean... You, some people might think it's nice, uh, but that, that's a big drag up to Ashdown Forest, which is a good few kilometres, isn't it, that one? Yeah, do you know something Something else I did? You mentioned Zwift, and uh, I made a Zwift workout where I simulated the, the 60 kilometre bike loop, and I'd be looking at the, the current course records holders' data on Strava, because it's one of the advantages you have, you can stalk people. <laughs> so, uh, so I looked at his power numbers, and I, I, I thought, okay, I reckon that Ashdown climb takes me 18 minutes for feeling tired and then the other one takes nine and the other one takes four uh and so i had this swift workout where i just set set the power targets and i did that a couple of times but in the end it it, it was nothing to do with the power it was nothing i could estimate and um and on the day i did far better power than i would have thought um, i did have a power meter in the end um but yeah i just really attacked it and it, it felt really good all day and then when you got onto the run i mean how, how was the run for you do you know, it was it was so great just knowing I was in the lead and I, I can really back myself, I think, to hold it um, on the run when I'm in the lead. Um, and the fact that it was off-road really helped, I thought, because if anyone happens to be a really good runner, because I don't really think of myself as one, then there isn't tarmac for their running technique to sort of help them and they have to really muscle it out by just trudging through the mud um, faster than I trudge through the mud. <laughs> so I, I just thought I'll, I'll attack the first lap because there's somebody who's coming the other way and then I can see where they are and I want to show them that I'm going faster than them and then you can slow down at the end if you have to. Um, so there's a little mental game initially but then I, I sort of realised it was in the bag probably with maybe still a half marathon to go. <laughs> and where did, where, so where did you get the lead? Was it, uh, were you first out in the water because it would have been a, um, a, a sort of staggered start wouldn't it? Yeah I, I was first into the water just just for the fun of it but um but no I think there were a few other up ahead of me um maybe five or six uh, and it was somewhere on the bike that I just I just made sure that I was I was working hard on the bike and uh I thought there would probably be some some really strong cyclists there looking at the other times 
and I thought I could maybe keep up with them and then I could probably hold it better than them on the run. That was that was just my, you know, triathletes have an ego. There's mine, I suppose. But um, yeah, so I just thought I'd try and get to the lead. And I never really knew because we don't have didn't have the motorbike this year um, like we did in, uh, I think, 2017 or 2018. There was one. Um, yeah, so so I just thought I'm I'm probably in first or second place because these guys they look pretty good. They've got all the kit, um, and then I just uh, I yo-yoed for a little bit on the on the first lap, and then somewhere on the second lap I just sort of um, attacked. I think it was on a downhill, um, and then I I didn't see didn't see the second place guy for a long time. And so you, you you've got the best in in the bag now, and so what's coming up for 2022? Where 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 are we going to see you racing? Right, so um, I'm gonna go back to Outlaw where I did my first Ironman, and feels feels appropriate to go full circle. Um, I have been taking the sport sort of just a season at a time because it it really is difficult if you're if you're trying to squeeze the best out of your training. I think I think you have to, um, and so I want to see how fast I can go at Outlaw on a flat course now, having done a very hilly bastion, um, and then after that I'll sort of consolidate a little bit. And you got, you got any ambitions for getting a pro license at any point? The main motivation there is the is the free race entries for a fixed price for the year. <laughs> uh, so uh, if if I do well at Outlaw, I think I have to podium and some caveats on top of that. Then that will be really nice, but uh, not to make a living, no. Well, good luck with that. And uh, you also got a, uh, a an insane 65-kilometer um, Nordic ski coming up as well. Yeah, you? just trying to keep it interesting. So before rowing, I was actually <laughs> a, a cross-country skier in Finland. And uh, yeah, I just thought I'd see how I compare to the locals because I've actually never had a clue. And I have quite a good feeling. <laughs> There's a... So yeah, how are you training for that one? Are you just completely winging it and getting out there and giving I've, it a go? I've done it before after a bit of swim bike run. Um, I did a week of it and I got some Strava KOMs and so uh, I'm pretty confident. Um, I did actually uh, notice that the the GB biathlon squad, which is skiing and shooting, they've got this new talent campaign and they have a few guys um, from the university I was at as well joining in with that. Uh, and so I can see what they're doing and I can see what I've previously been doing. So I kind of fancy my chances at having a, having a pretty solid ski. <laughs> you give it a good go. And you also, I also remember you saying that you'd done the um, the two two uh, the two five five ultra try. Yeah, well, I had a go, um, a bit like with Bastion. That was also we also had a horrendous downpour, um, and I nearly DNF'd with hypothermia on the bike. Um, did you do that solo, or did you do it as part of a? Part yeah, that of was team? that was meant to be a solo one. Um, in the end, I think I was a bit optimistic starting that a month after Bastion. Um, so uh, the office work really had handicapped me because uh, sitting on your bum um, for a week after an Ironman tightens everything up. And in the end, I, I got injured and I couldn't complete the run of that. <laughs> but that was that was real chaos. That um, So the 255 is this great new idea for a race. Um, and it's laps of Goodwood race circuit. And it's longer than an Ironman. So you end up doing 255 kilometers in total. Uh, but it's flat, so it's fast. So maybe it would take about the same time to complete as the Bastion would. Um, that was my thinking anyway. Uh, but in the end, it being a, a first race, there, there was sort of complete chaos with the positions and the timing. And oh, it, it mentally broke me before I, before I could even DNF from the run. I, I knew I wasn't going to finish because uh, someone told me I was in fifth place at one point and oh, I was gone at that point. Completely mentally checked out. Yeah. 
God, yeah, it just sounds like uh, super tough. I, I've actually looked at it, but looked at it as doing it as like a team of four, where I think you can swap in and out as much as you like. I think that, that looked a bit more fun to do it that way. Yeah, there are lots of these new little races cropping up, aren't they? The way you can do a relay of something, or, or the, the Castle Series has, has virtual triathlons. And um, it, yeah, it's really nice. You can do lots of sort of cut down versions of triathlons, which means you can get more of them done in a year, I guess, if you wanted. Yeah, I, I I just thought with the uh, the the um the 255 um because you you're still there for sort of like 10 12 hours what you wait for your teammates to do their bit. You know, you can go in and do like uh you know you can do two loops, swap out, um uh, do another two loops a bit later on. Uh just kind of a bit more not quite as uh, t- doesn't take it out of you just quite as much, but um you know also gives you that kind of uh a good crack with your friends yeah yeah that's definitely something for students to have a go at or like red bull time lapse that's what's that <laughs> yeah. 24 hours of cycling as many laps as you can in a team that seems like great fun that's it and the other one the beer mile i think is the uh the, the, the one that the boys have been talking about <laughs> yeah so you've got so so you've got, you've got a busy year ahead of you and um you know we'll be watching out for your results at uh to outlaw um, you know, and, and fingers crossed for you, you, you go out and have a good race there. And anything else you got coming up? Well, after Outlaw, I'd love to do Ironman Finland because um, I have some family over there, and uh, that's going to be a bit of a sort of holiday race. Um, I'm still considering maybe tagging on another castle race, though, somewhere in the season. Um, it'll be nice to do something before jumping straight in with a full distance in July. <laughs> Well, if you come over along to the castle, then you know, come along and say hello. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll see you at the finish line. Uh, but it's been great to talk to you today, and so thanks for sharing, um, you know, a, a bit of an insight into into your year last year and what you got coming up this year. So thanks so much. Thanks Thomas. very much. It was great fun. I really enjoyed that interview. So thank you so much, Thomas, for taking time out to come and talk to us today. Um, you know. Really interesting to see that uh, even uh, a, a iron-distanced uh, winner uh, has the same struggles and challenges that the majority of us do with, you know, being time crunched, uh, diet and nutrition. Uh, you know, it's kind of refreshing in a way. Uh, but we look forward to seeing how Thomas does at Outlaw um, later in the year. And we've got some really good interviews coming up. Uh, we've got some people that have turned pro recently who've gone from jump from age group through to pro. We've got some people that are actually going to be taking part in their first triathlon. Uh, we're going to be talking to them about how they're coping with training, dealing with nerves. And we've got some other winners from some other races. So, you know, stay tuned, like and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one.